0: or a church, or in the society. And uh, sometimes we we forget we forget what we learned. Um, and then after a while, we assume that we know. And then we act based on what we assume. We call it presumption. It means that what you think you know is not right or is not totally correct, but you think it's the right thing, and you live your life according to something which is not the total truth, and it can be very, very dangerous. When you don't live in truth, you can live a very dangerous life. So what we are trying to what we are trying to get you to understand is that there is the truth of the word of God. And it's real. If we live by it, we would be happy no matter what happens to us because that happiness is is more than happiness. It's what we call joy. Because it's in the inside of you, as a result of what the word of God, that truth has done in your life, it transforms you. The Bible says that you must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we must allow the word of God to change what is in our mind, the way we think, the spirit of our mind, so that we can live by the truth. It's wonderful to hear stories about other people who have lived this life and they tell you good stories that you wish that was your lot. For those of us who are not here the past two weeks, I recalled some of the testimonies that some of our own people have shared with us before. Concerning exams, how would you feel if the the most difficult subject that you face in school When you enter the exam room, you you have tried your best to learn but Charlie, the thing didn't go too well because you are not very confident in that subject and no matter how hard you try, it doesn't go the way you wish it would go How would you feel to suddenly enter the examination room and then it's like you read all the questions and it's as if you know all the answers. You don't know where the answers came from, but you just know that you know the answers and then you start writing. And as you continue writing, the answer just flows. What do you think would be your experience? I don't think there's anybody who will be normal. In other words, who will be just like how he or she was in that frightful and uncertain state going into the exams. All of a sudden, your confidence will come. Confidence will come because you know you are going to blow the paper. Suddenly, you start laughing, either outwardly or inwardly. The invigilator will look at you and will not know what is happening to you. But you know what is happening to you and you know what you are experiencing. You know what you are going through. Some of your other students may still be struggling to recall the things that they have learned. But you are not recalling anything but it's as if a supernatural hand is upon you and just helping you to know things that you don't under normal circumstances know. That is how it is like when you live by the truth in the word of God. And last week I shared with us about being led by the word of God. Being led by the truth in the word of God. And we saw two people Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. These two people seem to live in God's presence and they seem to live by what the word of God says it had become their habit i'm sure if I had asked elijah or I had asked the widow of zarephath if they were in church today if i asked them what did you learn in the past 2 weeks i would not be able to preach they will take over and share the experiences that they have learned. Why? Because they have stayed in the presence of God and they have learned new truths in the word. Because it is the word that leads your life. Both of them made bold declaration. So long as God lives, Elijah said, The God before whom I stand. The God in whose presence I live. And because of that, I live by the truth in his word. When he commands me, I go. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But I go. And Jesus said, there were two people. He told two stories about two people. He said that in in Israel many years ago, There were several widows, but it was only to the widow at Zarephath that God sent the prophet in the time of famine, and God provided for the prophet and provided for the widow in a very supernatural way. We all like miracles, but miracles don't just happen. God is not a magician. We hear some of these good testimonies and God doesn't just do them. He does them in seasons and for a purpose. And he only does them when we live according to his truth. That that is why we are encouraging ourselves to be led by the word of God, by the truth in the word of God. Last two weeks we talked about repentance. We introduced repentance and this morning I'm going to share with us um, a little more about repentance. And these two things, believing the word of God, living by the word of God, and repentance, these two are the foundations of our Christian life. Throughout our life, in our walk with God, we have to be learning new truths in His word. We have to be believing new truths. And we have to act on new truths that God reveals to us in his word. And that is why it is important to make time to stay in God's presence. To learn of him and to read his word. Some of us have never read one chapter of the Bible in their whole life before. Unless you read that one chapter in church, you have never read a chapter before. And I challenge that. After Easter, we are going to embark on a program. Every one of us. And we are going to enforce it. We've done it several times. We took it lightly. But this time we are going to enforce it. Because I want to enforce the truth into your life. Some of us are going to be reading the Bible through before September. We read the whole Bible through. See, Uncle Bijou, that be tough. Really? Let me show how it can easily be done. If you spend 20 minutes, 20 minutes reading the Bible every day, just 20 minutes, within six months you would have read the whole Bible. It looks easy, doesn't it? It sounds easy, but practically it can be a challenge. And these are the disciplines that we need to learn. If you are a slow reader. And you can read one chapter of the Bible. Let's say, if our five minutes, six minutes, which is very easy. If you can read one chapter of the Bible every day consistently, within three years, you would have read the entire Bible. Some of you have been in church three, four, five, six years. Some of you from children's service or Sunday school elsewhere but you've never read through the bible because because we have not been consistent and if you can spend about 15 minutes to 20 minutes reading the slowest reader reading three chapters a day within one year you would have read the bible have you noticed how our parents struggle to feed their children when the children don't want to eat You, you see how the parents struggle. Maybe some of you even have siblings that your parents have used you to force your siblings to eat or your cousins to eat. They don't want to eat but the parents say that you must eat by force. It is my body. I don't want to eat. Why are you forcing me? Maybe that's how some of you are behaving towards me this morning. Ah, It is my life. It's my time. If I want to read the Bible, I'll read. If I don't want to read, why, why, are, you, why are you harassing me? Because I know it is good for you. You want to experience the miracles of Elijah. You want to experience the miracles of the widow of Zarephath. You want to experience the testimonies that others have shared about the word of God. You have to know what it says. If you don't know what the word of God says, you cannot be led by it. You know half-truths. Truths that you heard here and you heard there and you assume that... That's what they say. Sometimes people say that, ah, it's in the Bible somewhere that this. Or I, I heard somebody say that the Bible says, or they say the Bible says, you must know for a certainty and you must believe what you know. That is the first part. The second part is when you get to know something, you need to change your mind about how you look at issues of life. And that is what is called repentance. Coming to the point of conviction and changing your mind and changing your attitude and taking a decision based on what you believe, the truth that you believe in is word, and you change your mind and your, your attitudes to face life and the issues that you, you, you are going through with the word of God. And that is Repentance. I wanted to do this at the end of the service, but I don't know whether I'll be able to preach. Let me do it now. Let me tell you some of the areas in which you can repent, that you need to change your mind. When does church service start? Come on, talk to me. When does church service start? It starts at 7 a.m. So we are expected to be here by 7 a.m., isn't it? Unless by one very good reason or the other, you may be late or you may not be able to come to church. There is no reason why you should not be here by seven. But many of us were not here by seven. In fact, the majority of us, the vast majority of us were not here by seven. So you need to change your mind, your attitude about punctuality. You see, you've heard us say stories like... um, how I many of us, if you are traveling to the U.S., or you are traveling outside the country, you will be late to the airport? Uh, and we often say that very few people will be... In fact, we often say that nobody will be late if, if, if the plane is supposed to leave at even 4 a.m. By 2 a.m., you are there. The whole night, you will not sleep. But I can tell you, I have experienced this before, where we, we saw somebody who came to the airport late, for whatever reason, I don't know. Uncle Wilhelm is here, so you can confirm what I'm saying. These type of things, they happen at the airport. When it is time, you see, the place, they move by shadow. There's a time where you are supposed to report to the waiting area. There's a time when you're supposed to go to the final departure formalities, and there's a time when you're supposed to board the plane. And there's a time when the doors of the plane are supposed to be closed. And there's a time that the plane starts taxiing ready to take for takeoff. I will never forget this experience where I saw a businessman with his briefcase, very well dressed. And he was a little late. And just when he was getting close to the plane, the, the, the air hostess just slammed the, the, the door closed. And you could see this businessman begging. Nobody minded him. The planes just were still for a while. Went through their study and checking whatever they checked. And the, the planes started taxiing off. And you could see the man was chasing the plane. Listen, there is time for everything. If you don't change your mind at the right time, you regret some things in life. Some of us regret at the schools that we are attending in senior high school because of decisions that we took when we were in JHS. Your parents told you to learn, your teachers told you to learn, and you were not that serious. We've told you to take your Christian life seriously do your quiet time regularly read your bible but it's like okay once in a while you do it sometimes you forget then you go back to your old self again if you don't continually change your mind about these things your life will not be transformed is someone listening to me you realize that i haven't referred to the bible i've not even referred to my notes. these are not things that i intended to say this morning But what I've been saying so far, two things. You need to believe the word of God. And before you can believe the word of God, you need to know what it says. Read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand. Determine to be led by what you learn. That's what we call obedience. Obeying what you read, what you learn. The conviction that you get as a result of revelation of truth that you find out from his word. This is so simple that even a, a three, four-year-old can understand. But what makes the difference is your choice to do it. Number two, you need to continually change your mind. Anytime you learn, you become aware of something, you need to change your mind about it. That is what we call Repentance. And until you repent, until you change your mind, you cannot have the benefits of the revelation of truth that you have received. No wonder Jesus said, there were two people, a widow in Zarephath, in the time of famine. It was only that one widow that God sent Elijah. And again, he says that there were several lepers. And that's what we are going to be looking at today if we can uh, make the time. There were several lepers. But to only one, only one did healing come. Second Kings chapter 5. Second Kings chapter 5. Shall we pray? If I leave... I'll live for you, should I die, I'll die for you, in all my ways, I am ever yours, if I live, I'll live for you. In all my ways I am ever yours If I live, I live for you If I live, I live for you Should I die I'll die for you In all my ways I am ever yours If I live I live for you In all my ways I am never yours If I live, I live for You. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. God. We come to talk about repentance. We're talking about going back to our first love. Loving God with so much passion. Be more passionate about God than Liverpool. Be more passionate about God than Arsenal. Be more passionate about God than fashion. Be more passionate about God than our faults. Oh, God, help us. God is calling us to repentance, to change our mind and our attitudes, to make the right decisions, to live for Him. Whatever comes our way, to live for Him. In pain or in sorrow, to live for Him. In sunshine or in the rain, to live for Him. To live according to the truth of his word That is the real life And whatever it takes To draw closer to you Lord That's what I'll be willing to do And whatever it takes to be more like you, that's what I'd be willing to do. And whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what i'll be willing to do and whatever it takes to be more like you that's what i'll be willing to I'll take sorrow for joy, I'll take sunshine for rain, that's what I'll be willing to do. I'd be willing to do. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. As we come to share your word, speak to us. And as you speak to us, may we believe your word. And may we change our mind concerning our lives and concerning your word. That we can be more like Jesus. That we can grow in death for Jesus. That we can fall in love with him all over again. That as you have promised us, you walk with us hand in hand. You never leave us or forsake us. When we go through fire, it will not burn us. You will be there with us. When we pass through the waters, we shall not be drowned. You take us through. Come what may you be right there with us because you have promised you'll be with us to the very end. Lord, we know you have good plans for us. Plans to bring us to an unexpected end. It may mean going through some difficulties in life. It may not necessarily be easy, but we know that you'll be there with us. And so long as you are in our boat, we know all is well pray this morning as we hear your word. Mm. May there be a revival of love. May there be transformations of minds. May there be renewal of spirits. May there be healings for our bodies. May there be healings for our minds. May there be emotional healings. May there be offers of healings Oh God. Lord, resurrect us from every death thing in our life. As we go through this Easter season, may we remember the of your love that sent Jesus to the cross of Calvary to die for us, leaving us an example that we might fall, and walk after them. Oh God, help us be our source, be our strength, be our guide as we go through life. We know it will not be easy. But we know it is well. We know it is well. In Jesus' name. Amen. It is well, it is well. With my soul. With my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul shall I rise up on our feet when peace like a river attended my way when solos like sea below we are making a declaration whatever my lord thou hast done. It is well. It is well with my soul It is well. It is well with my soul with my soul. It is well. It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well. With my soul. says give the lord a shout of victory clap your hands and shout unto the lord with a shout of victory because we are walking in this life into victory from victory unto victory he will lead us we shall not fall even when we fall we shall rise up again because of the truth in the word, we shall continue repent because your belief is his word and his word is sure it shall not fail. Even heaven and earth will pass away, but his word is sure it shall never, ever, ever pass away. In this year of fruitfulness, we shall be fruitful in everything that we do. We shall walk in the word, we shall live in the word, we shall eat the word, we shall grow in love, and it shall be well with our souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, please take your seats. Right, Second Kings chapter 5. Now, Nehman would attempt to look at a couple of people and their personalities, their attitudes in this short passage of scripture as quickly as we can. And if there's a need to come back to it, we will. The Bible says that Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Israel. In those days, you know, like today, what rules the world is technology. And if you are technologically behind You find it very difficult to cope with the new developments in life. If you are a country that lacks in technology, your technological infrastructure or knowledge base is not strong, you find it very difficult in the marketplace, in commerce, in politics to cope with what is happening in the world. Those days, It wasn't like that. It was brute force, survival of the fittest, the survival of the strongest. No wonder in the days of David, and many of us know the story of David and Goliath, Israel and the Philistines had met on the battlefield. And what do you do in battle? Don't you fight? Instead of fighting, they were standing facing each other. They were not fighting. One person on the other side decided that instead of fighting, bring one man and we also bring one man. And let's fight. And the winner takes all. Let me ask us a question. I wasn't dead then. But why did the Israelites listen to the Philistines? Why did the Israelites you know, decided to go by the dictates of one Philistine? Forget about the divine part that God wanted to do something. Forget about that aspect. Listen, in life, don't allow people to determine how your life should be lived. That is why we all need to get into the Word of God, get the truth of the Word of God, believe it, act on it by our convictions, and be led by it. Change our mind about all issues. Some of you, unless your parents tell you to study, you won't study. Why should your parents tell you to study? Some of you, you are happy that your parents have money. Maybe because they have business, good businesses, or they are working in good corporations and they are being paid well? Have you ever asked yourself, am I also working hard to be able to do good business in the future so I can have the kind of money that my parents have? Am I working hard so that I can make the kind of grace that my parents made and that's why they have gotten good jobs today? Or are you just living there, being controlled by your friends? When your friends say, let's go and watch Asena,' then you follow them. When your friends say, let's go to a party, then you just go. And then when it's one week to exams, and then your teacher comes to announce the timetable, Then say, yeah, next week is exams. Why do you live your life like that? Don't allow people to control your life. Take your own destiny into your hands. And don't play down on yourself. Don't tell yourself, I am not good in this or I cannot do this. Everything is doable. The Spirit of God can help you if you will discipline yourself, if you continually change your mind about these issues. Some of us, you should stop watching TV. Some of us don't watch TV, but you are always on our phones. Some of us should throw our phones away somewhere for a season. Because of what you want in life. I've given us this example so many times in this church. For those of us who are sportsmen and women who appreciate this better, when we are going to do intercollegiate sports, do you see the sportsmen living their life anyhow? Sleeping anyhow? No! They wake up at dawn. Sometimes nobody tells them. Some of them enjoy sleeping. They like sleeping. But because of the race or the sport that is ahead of them, they wake up at dawn and they go running like madmen. You don't know where they are going. They are just running. There's no competition, there's no sports. Nobody is watching, but they are running. What are they doing? They are building capacity, they are building stamina. They are building their hearts. They are building muscles. After the morning jog, when they go to classes and come back, there's training or rehearsal or whatever it is. And they, some of them take it seriously. And then some of us we are just sleeping. And then we are becoming obolo. I mean, you don't have any muscles. You don't have any macho. You don't have anything. You look at somebody's six-pack. You wish you had it, but you don't do anything about it. And you are just there. And you, you look at the guys who have the and say, wow, are the six person, wow. And you someone we the guys will be envying them. And the ladies, when you see people with their good shape, their their feet, and their firm, they say, Oh, I wish I could be like that. You you can be like that. If you will repent, if you change your mind about your body, about your sleeping pattern, about time that you spend on a phone. Several studies have been made about young people. And if you get to know the amount of time that we spend on our phones, you'll be shocked. Maybe you tell yourself, well, me, I don't spend too much time. I like my phone, but I don't spend too much time. I don't want to digress because already I'm short of time. I don't even know how far I can go. But we've done this kind of exercise so many times in leadership school. It's a special school that we run for SHS graduates. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we couldn't do it last year. And when it comes to time management, we do an exercise where we get everybody to do a time schedule about uh, how he or she spent his one week. You account for every minute of the one week the things that you did. And many of our facilitators have gone through it. And it always comes as a shock to everyone that the minimum they spend about 30% min- I'm talking about minimum. 30 per- facilitators, can you confirm what I'm saying? 30% minimum of your time, you don't know what you do with it. 30%, you don't know what you did with the time. I'm not talking about time you spend on the phone, no. You are just there, you don't know what you were doing. If you, are, if you can take just half of that 30%, just half, or maybe even one-third. Ten percent of your time. If you can put it to constructive use, you'll see how your life will change. Whether it's your academic life, in learning a, a, a new a new skill, or whatever, whatever it is. If it's time you spent in the Bible. No, I'm 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 working with a group that we are trying to read the Bible by June which we are finished reading the Bible. I'm just about finishing the the Psalms. Now, the class is now too slow for me, so I'm I'm going ahead of the class. I I tried my best to make sure that I read only what was supposed to be read, but now it's too slow for me because it it has become such a habit that I just want to consume more. Look, as young people, we waste too much of our time and we allow people to detect to us how our lives should be lived. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Israel. The Bible says he was a great man. He was a valiant soldier. You know, there are soldiers and there are soldiers. If if you are not um, very knowledgeable about the military life, you may may not appreciate some of the things I'm going to say, but um, at least all of us know that there are different kinds of soldiers. When you go to the army, they, they are the, what we call the buga people? I mean, they didn't go to any school, but they're just trained physically, and they're just strong, and they're the infantry. Normally, they're the frontline people who go and face uh, the bullets. And then the intellectuals, they are behind the scenes. They are doing their intellectual work and thinking, and then they're planning and coming out with strategies and so on. And then there are some special squads. We call them different things in different countries. They are the macho men in the military. They are a prestigious squad. The Rambo type of people. You know, in the US they are called the Marines. I mean, they are a special force and they are not like the other military men. When they are Difficult assignments. It was some of these people who were sent to go and kill uh, Osama bin Laden. They they, they, they are sharpshooters. They are precision people. They are intelligent people. They are very strong people. They have stamina more than the other military people. My question to you this morning, what kind of Christian are you? Many of us here are born again. And you are looking at me this morning. And you want me to continue preaching. Next week you come again for me to preach. And you... Uh, okay. Some of you are desiring spiritual gifts. You're looking for big, big gifts. You want to preach like Dr. Otterville. You want to preach like Dr. Kujo. You you want to speak like Duncan Williams. You you want to do big, big things. You want to be like Benny Hinn. But where are you starting from? Even praying in tongues, the first basic gift of prayer language that God has given you, you are not using it. And you're looking for big, big things. You don't do your quiet time. You don't read the Bible. You don't tell your friends about Jesus. Some of you, your friends, don't know you're a Christian. So if your friends don't know that you come to Teen Chapel and yet you are dreaming of big things, it doesn't work like that. It starts with disciplines. And Teen Chapel, I command us from today onwards, everybody minimum, 15 minutes every single day, pray in tongues. You may not understand it, it doesn't make sense to you. But that is the minimum. It doesn't mean that when you start getting used to 15 minutes, just stay there. No! Yesterday, those of us who were at um, church workers' meeting, and by the way, some of you have forgotten because of COVID or what, I don't know. You have forgotten that we meet on Saturdays. I will not ask you those who were here on Saturday or not. You see, Uncle Moses shared with those of us who were here yesterday, about how he listened to some of these basic disciplines that we are talking about. And we'll be talking a lot about Christian disciplines for the next three years. And one of the disciplines we encourage them when they were like you, was that they must learn to speak in tongues 10 minutes every day. In fact, one of our leaders who has left us now, Pastor Bethmon, he was always fighting with me. He said, Uncle, why do you make that thing so simple? Why 10 minutes? Make it one hour. If I tell some of you to pray one hour a day, some of you stop coming to teen chapel. That is why we start with the 10 minutes. It's not that the 10 minutes is the goal. 10 minutes is not the goal. Though. If you want me to tell you the goal, I will tell you right now, and then we'll start working towards it. The goal is to pray 24 hours a day. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? The goal is to pray 24 hours a day. In other words, your lifestyle must be a life of prayer. Even when you are sleeping, your spirit is praying, your mind is praying. You wake up and your spirit man is praying. You wake up with a song on your heart because you went to sleep with a song on your heart and throughout the night your spirit man was praying, was in communion with God. Some of us throughout the night, all we think about and dream about Uh, is a chat with that guy in the night. That horror movie that you watched. And I don't know why people like horror movies. I mean, when I was a young person, I never liked horror movies. But some people are just fascinated by horror, horror movies. It's dangerous. Some of them have some spirits behind them. So I advise you, please stop it. Even if you like it for now, stop it. When you become strong, you can go back to it. And when you become strong, whether you go back to it or not, you understand. You who has ears, let him hear what I'm saying. So Uncle Moses was sharing with us about how he took that 10 minutes praying times every day very seriously, and every day he used to pray 10 minutes. He got to a stage that 10 minutes was not enough. He moved to 50 minutes, and then to 30 minutes, and then to one hour. Now when they say we are going to pray for five, six hours, it's not an issue for him. It started with 10 minutes. I hear what I'm saying. Little drops of water that will make a very big ocean. Little disciplines, little habits of continuous repentance. Taking control of your own life according to this word will change everything about you. This man was a mighty man the Bible says that he was honorable. He was an honorable man in the eyes of his master. In other words, the master regarded him, had high respect for him. By him, God had given several victories to Syria. Mind you, Syria is not Israel, Syria was a heathen nation. And sometimes you wonder why God does that. Read the Bible for yourself and you understand. Scripture says he was a mighty man of valor, a mighty man, a strong man, yet he was a leper. Some of us have all kinds of uh, attributes, but there's something about us. There's something negative about us. Let God speak to you about the negative things in your life, the weaknesses in your life, the sicknesses in your life, the sicknesses in your mind, the sicknesses in your emotions, the sicknesses in your psychology, the sicknesses in your attitude. Some of you are rebellious, you are difficult, you are stubborn, and that is why we have to be hard on you sometimes. Sometimes we we'll crawl, crawl you small, then sometimes we we'll whip you small. It's good for you. It's for your own future. Yet Le- Naaman was a leper. We'll come back to Naaman later on. Scripture says in verse 2 the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. Interesting, but this young lady, I presume, was a teenager, a young girl. You don't even know her name. Scripture says she waited, she was a servant to Naaman's wife. So her madam's husband was this mighty man. One day, the lady said to her madam, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, she remembered Israel. She remembered that in the home country, there are prophets. She remembered that prophets heal, prophets do miracles. Church, when you are in school, do you remember Teen Chapel? When you are in school, do you remember camp? When your friends are in trouble, do you remember to point them to where they can get solution? You yourself you have a problem. How are you going to help somebody to find a solution? During the COVID season, I made a new friend, and she's in Takrady. She was going through some very difficult challenges in her life, she was, she, she's, she was in senior high school, she was going through some difficult challenges in her, her life, and somebody from Teen Chapel recommended me to talk to her. And I helped this lady navigate through the issues that she was facing. And now she has become even closer to me than the friend who introduced her to me. I've never met her before. Can some people, your friends, talk about you that way? Every day I'm looking for more power. Next move is coming. Which of your friends have you invited to church? Some of you think chapel. you come home, you feel like coming. How many of you talk to somebody to come along with him or her to church this morning? But you know, church will benefit you. I've been reading about some of the testimonies that some of you have been giving about the things that you are learning in these past two weeks. Fine. But have you told your friend? Have you told your cousin? Have you discussed with your parents? Do you care about others? This lady said if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria he would be healed of his leprosy. Between verse 2 and verse 5 we are not told what happened. But the next thing we read in verse 4 is that and Naaman went in and told his master saying thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel you can be sure That after this young lady told Naaman's wife, Naaman's wife went to Naaman and told him, My servant girl, she says there's a prophet in Israel, and if you can meet this prophet, you'll be healed. How many of us point others to Jesus? You have been born again. You are happy that you are going to heaven. You want to go alone. You want your brother to go to hell. You want your sister to go to hell. Even your mother, who is paying your fees, you want her to go to hell. You don't talk to them about Jesus. But this young girl said, If my master will see that prophet, he'll be healed of his diseases. The next person we want to look at is the king of Syria. So the Bible says, Nehemiah went to the king of Syria and told her, well, this and this and this is what this young girl has said. So the king, as a normal king would do, using his position and his influence, said, go, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. You see, when it comes to spiritual things, it's not, it's not protocol. When you are dealing with politics and you are dealing with uh, 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 whom you know, it is protocol. You know, go see this man. Tell him that Bishu says you should come and see him. You connect you, and that's that's what the king knows. So he said, "Go, I will send a letter to the king of Israel." So he departed and took within ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, who said. Be now advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. That was how the king reacted. That was what he knows to do. In politics, we use our connections, we use our influence, our position to try and gain favor from other kings or other people. And the Bible says, 7 and it happened when the king of Israel, now we are looking at the king of Israel when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said am I God to kill and to make a life that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy therefore consider these things and see how he seeks a quarrel with me so it was The king of Syria, his understanding of the situation is to use his influence. Wrote a diplomatic letter to the king of Israel. Look at this. Does it make sense? Syria had raided Israel. Conquered them. Took some of them captives as slaves. So they're enemies. They're no friends. Syria and Israel, at that time, they were not friends. They were enemies. If Israel had their way, they would also counter-attack them and free some of their slaves and take some more slaves from Syria. When the king of Israel read this letter, he, he was furious. The Bible says he tore his clothes. And for a king to tear their clothes, it means a lot in those days. The king did not even know that he had a prophet in his own country. He didn't know. It's strange, but the next person we'll look at quickly because I want to finish this today. Is Elisha. The Bible says in verse 8, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, Elijah was a prophet, he was a man of God. He wasn't just a prophet, but he was a man that walked with God. He was a man like Elijah who walked in the steps of God, who lived in the presence of God, who read the word, who meditated on the word, and was led by the word of God. The Bible says, when the man heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? What's your problem? Please, let the man come and see me. And he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Elisha, because he he was living continually, believing the word of God, continually changing his mind and his attitude about life, continually concerning God and life, he knew who he was and he was operating the giftings that God had given to him. He knew, he knew what he could do through God or what God could do through him. It's strange. But you see, I don't know how news traveled in those days. Today, I mean, news travels very fast. Something happens in Teen Chapel today and within seconds it's all over the world. Some of you have already posted something on uh, Instagram and it's all over. The media will pick it up. And before seconds, I mean, People all over the world knows what is happening. But in those days, it wasn't like that. It was by word of mouth. Something happened in the king's palace. The king had torn his clothes, and the Israelites understood what it means when the king tears his clothes. He's desperate. He's angry. He may even be preparing for war. Within seconds, hey, have you heard? The king tore his clothes this morning. The king of Syria sent him a letter, and he's so angry. uh, they are going to the streets have you heard the king is angry this word must have gone on that way and it might have gotten to the prophet Elisha and Elisha sent message to the king it's sometimes the way the way God works is in some way Why didn't Elisha go to the king? The king is king over Israel. He sent word to the king. Let the man come. And then he will know that we have a prophet in Israel. Then man went with his horses and chariots. And then he stood at the door of Elisha's house. So when Elisha asked um, the king to let the man come, the message must have gone through, and the man came. He came. With his, I mean, he came in pomp and pageantry. He came with a, how do you call that? The, he came with his motorcade and all that. And the Bible says he came and stood in front of Elisha's door. Look at the sick man. Instead of going to see the, the prophet, he came to stand at the door, expecting that because of his position and his authority and his influence, the prophet should come to him. And then Elisha sent a message to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Simple instructions. Simple normal behavior of a king, of 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 a man of influence. Simple normal behavior of the prophet. The prophet said, go and wash And your skin will be clean. But again in verse 11, the Bible says, Nehemiah became furious. And he went away in a rage. And he said to himself, I thought this man would come and stand before me and call on the name of his God and wave his hand over the place of the leper and heal this leprosy. Are not Abana and far from the rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned away in rage. He turned away in anger. You know, and when this when these kind of people are angry, don't venture near them. If you don't take care, you get a slap. Before, before you even open your mouth. But the Bible says of his servants in the last group of people that we'll look at the servants trembling with fear while the chariots were racing away as a result of the wrath and fury of Naaman they came and spoke to him and said my father if the prophet had told you to do something great would you not have done it? How much more when he says Just go and wash and be clean. The king of Syria sent a message to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel was angry. The prophet sent a word to the king of Israel. He said, there's a prophet in Israel. Let the man come. The king of Israel, he changed his mind about his anger. He might have sent a diplomatic letter to the king of Syria. Let Naaman come. Naaman came and he received a simple instruction from the man of God without even seeing the man go and wash and be clean. And this man was angry. The Bible says he left in a rage, living with his leper, leprosy. He wanted healing. You want deliverance. You want healing. You want you want you want wisdom. You want to be able to study and remember. You want progress in your business world. You, you want to make progress in the corporate world. Simple instructions from the Word of God, you throw them aside. Get wisdom through the Holy Spirit. You throw it as I want to do things your own Sometimes you are even angry when even this might tell you to pray 10 minutes a day. Some of you are angry with me. If you are angry with me when I'm telling you to pray 50 minutes in tongues every day, what will you do when we start talking about fasting? Because that is going to come. We are not waiting for 40 days of fasting. After the facilitators already, we are started on a certain kind of program. And verse is going to come to us. You see, in the early church, I'm digressing, even though my time is gone. In the early church, it was a practice to fast twice a week. Minimum. And Calvary Temple, we are getting there. If you want to experience the power of God, you must learn to do things according to the word of God. Ah, I just, so we won't eat. Yes, we won't eat. Now you start praying 15 minutes every day first. I'm not talking about fasting prayer today. Now the Bible says, when he heard the servants speak, something happened to Naaman. This mighty, furious, angry, macho guy. His servants telling him what to do. His servants telling him wisdom. The Bible says, He changed his mind. He turned around and in humility before all his subordinate soldiers and servants, he went and dipped himself in the Jordan River according to the instruction of the prophet. And the Bible says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was cleaned. And he returned to the man of God together with all his aides and came and stood before him. This time he didn't stand at the door, he came and stood before the prophet and said, Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel now I know before you will know it takes repentance a change of mind a change of attitude before repentance can come into your life you need to hear the word of God you need to become aware of the word of God and you must believe it you must understand it you must get revelation personal revelation you must hear God speak to you. And when you hear God speak to you, it will humble you. You will no longer be angry. You will no longer be angry at the word of God. You will no longer be angry with me for asking you to pray 10, uh, 15 minutes in tongues every day. You will no longer be angry at me for making you read the Bible every day. When you start experiencing the benefits, when your mind becomes a sharp. As that of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we have the mind of God. We have the knowledge of God. You know, there is so much potential in us. We have no idea. You can be a shark in the Holy Spirit. You can do all things by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you learn to believe the word. Continually repent. Continually read. Continually believe. Continually repent. repent everything will become fresh. Next week, God willing, I'll tell you some of the implications of repentance and what repentance can do in your life spiritually and how it works. I was hoping I will end on this, but I've run out of time. But repentance can bring about a revolution in your life. How it happens, I don't know. Is the work of God. Just like how you know, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, he noticed that there was something about Jesus. He came to him trying to understand how he can enter the kingdom. And told him, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. What are you talking about, Jesus? Old man like me, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. A renewal, a complete transformation, a a metamorphosis. You become entirely a different being. Anytime we repent, that's what happens to us. The thing that looks impossible suddenly becomes possible. Even your flesh of leper can become like that of a little child. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you've spoken to us about. About your word. Reading, getting revelation, believing it and being led by it. And changing our minds and our attitude towards your word. Help us to go through this process continually. That we experience the abundant life that you have in store for us in jesus name amen